most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Hello, Mrs. Jones Hello, sir It sounds like you said hello, sailor Okay, hello, sailor <laughs> Is that just you being hopeful? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Happy Mother's Day Thank you Yeah, we record this on the day that North America celebrates Mother's Day Yeah So, happy Mother's Day to all moms not yes. just American moms. All moms everywhere. Yeah. Well, Canadian moms celebrated today too. But that's why I said North America as in the continent. But then you said not just American moms. Oh. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Canada is not just America's hat or the 51st state. It is its own country. Somebody seems a little tender. <laughs> I'm just defending my country. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about this week. It was, it was a good week. I think we... Say that every week. Do well, we say because pretty much it? every week is a good week. You spoke on Monday night. Well, I barely spoke. Well, I didn't really have a message. It was very good for a non-message. Then, oh, you're very kind. Mm-hmm. I talked about the anointing, mm-hmm. and then I, I so love when I just thought about when John and Carol minister. They always do show and tell. Yeah, they talk about the kingdom and they demonstrate the kingdom. Yeah. So I thought we'd have fun doing that. So we played with the anointing, and some people got healed, which was fun. It was really fun. It was fun to watch people's faces that had never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. It was really good. The rest of the week could basically be summarized as meetings and events. Yes, many meetings and many events. Yeah, which is great. I mean, we're either meeting with people or meeting with our team or meeting people for ministry appointments, that sort of stuff. Yes. And then events, you had a plethora of events with birthdays and yes, gender baby, reveal announcements. Gender reveals, yeah. All and, kinds of craziness. And then you were speaking as well. You spoke Wednesday night. I did. Yeah, just started a Sonship series for four weeks. And then with 24 hours notice, you were speaking this morning. True. Yep. It was very good. It was very good. Was it? Thanks, yeah. babe. <laughs> you look very colorful. I got a great picture of you on Instagram. You did. It's, it is a good picture. I don't usually like pictures of me speaking, I think, because I make so many faces. Well, I wait until you're making a good face. Thank you. I You should see the ones I rejected. Oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe I can look at those later. Yeah, it was it was fun um, to be speaking. I really didn't know what I was going to talk on even at 8.30 last night. So it, it came together eventually. Do you know I, I got a Bible? You did get a Bible. We talked a couple of weeks ago about my trouble in finding a Bible I'd like. Yes. And... <laughs> In the process of that, I was sharing with a friend about my woes, and, and Jonathan sent me over this link to this this Bible that the video of it is almost like a parody of luxury products. But I went to our local Christian bookstore, which is called what? Lifeway. Thank you. And asked them if they would order it in, and they would. And they price matched the ridiculous price I found on Overstock. Which is amazing. Yeah. So I ordered it just to see what it would be like. And it meets some of my criteria quite well. Which criteria does it meet? Well, I wanted a New Living Translation. Yes. Because that's the version I want to read. I have all the versions to study. Yes. I don't have all the versions. I have many versions. Yeah, but right. I would imagine everyone who's listening to this is like, oh, no, you should read. I, I do. When I'm studying, I consult many. But reading for pleasure, I love the New Living Translation. Okay. So it's that. Okay. It is single column. Yes. Like, the rest of the world's books. Yes. And it's got nice typography. It's laid out really nicely. The font's nice, good font size. I love you. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And But then the things that I have to overlook is it's got some footnotes and it's got some reference notes down the side. If they would have admitted that, I think I would have been 
overwhelmed. But, but but it doesn't have that many. No, but it has some. Yeah, it's visual clutter, and the paper's a bit too thin. I can still see through text on the other side. Well, if it doesn't look like that, you would have a very heavy book because it would be about twice the size. Regardless, it's a beautiful <laughs> Bible. I look forward to having. It's got a lifetime warranty. What kind of warranty are you talking about? I don't know, but I think we should see what we can get out of a lifetime warranty. Okay. I might see if they have a copy of a Bible that I would like from your company. But you you already have a Bible you like. It's true, I do. And I'm not not quite done with it yet. No, you're not. But anyway, I was thrilled I found a Bible that I liked. Excellent. Uh, Other high points, we saw a new Captain America movie, which we shouldn't talk about because there's spoilers. It was so good. Can we say that? We can. I, I would even go so far as to say it should have been called Avengers 2.75. Why 2.75? Well, they were missing Hulk and Thor for it to be Avengers 3. But they had some pretty <laughs> oh, cool okay. additions. <laughs> okay, yeah. Do you want to know what my real highlight of the week was? Um, I loved getting all of our listeners' feedback. Really? Oh my gosh, you guys were so kind. You haven't read any yet, because I just read them all as they come in, and then I'll collate all the information, and you can read the the uh, summary rather than having to read every single one that come in. But you guys are so amazing. Thank you to everybody who's gone and filled in some feedback. We're going to keep it open for one more week. So if you haven't had the opportunity to go or you haven't heard about it, um, we're keeping it open for one more week. If, if you want the chance to win $100 of awesome stuff, we'd love to hear from you. It's a really short survey. The link will be in the show notes. It helps us greatly. And actually, you guys have great thoughts, some of which we're implementing this very episode. So cool. Hey, do you want to know what the highlight of my week was? I'd like to think I know what your highlight was, <laughs> but it's probably not. <laughs> um, receiving my first full shipment of A Boy Named Ben. Oh, your new book. It's in. Yes, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Give us a quick synopsis for those who may have missed it. It's a uh, children's book that is illustrated and written by me with serious help from the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's about our friend Ben Farley, who went home to be with the Lord about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's based on the life of an incredible young man. Yes. Which we've talked about on our podcast before, and we've written um, articles about on our website. If you go to ellenaj.com slash Ben, you can learn more about Ben. Yeah. And you can see the book. And one of the things that Ben's family did, which which just gives you a glimpse of the awesomeness of the Farley clan, is in lieu of flowers at Ben's funeral, the family asked for some donations to a couple of places. I remember one of them was the hospice where Ben spent his last few um, days. Yeah. But also to the School of Supernatural Life, where Ben was not only a student and a graduate, but also a staff member. And uh, in speaking to the Farley family, about writing the book, because it's an awkward thing, like, hey, can we write a book about your son who really touched our lives and we want to write a children's book? And of course, they were only too happy and very gracious to work with you and and super supportive. But one of the things we're doing, for every copy of the book sold, a dollar of the sales price goes towards the Ben Farley Scholarship that was set up in Ben's honor yeah, to help students who might not otherwise be able to attend the school in, in partial funding of their school. Yeah. So that's fun. It's very fun. I just think it's amazing that even in Ben's death, he is still inspiring people through the book, through his life, through stories that people keep alive, and also through his scholarship. So way to go, Ben. We love you and we miss you. Yeah. All right. Our main topic tonight yes. comes from a question. Do you know, Here's a sneak preview of some of the feedback that we got. They said, 
Please don't skip the listeners' questions. We love when you answer listeners' questions. Really? Yeah, and what's funny is often we skip listeners' questions either because we feel like we've talked too long or it's too late at night and we think we'll do it next week and then we realize we can go weeks without... Doing any. And so I was working through the backlog of brilliant listeners' questions and I thought we could answer this question as our main topic for this evening. Okay. This is the question. Yeah. It is from Rachel. Yep. And she said, This year, thanks to my awesome sister-in-law, Bethany, who attended your school... I experienced a transformation in my walk with God while reading Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost. Great book. An amazing book by an amazing man. I can now call God Papa. I am a daughter, exclamation mark. As someone who's been in ministry for over 10 years now, I had so many wounds that I was blinded to and was totally living like an orphan. God has been, in all caps, so ridiculously good and has taken me on an incredible journey that has been the most amazing adventure of my life. Several people at my home church are experiencing a similar awakening to Father's love, and our pastor is so very open as well. We are all hungry for what Father wants to do among us, like crazy hungry. What advice could you give us as we seek to live out this sonship message in an environment that is somewhat foreign to it? I thank God for you every time I open your book, Finding Father. I'm on week nine, and I'm hoping it never ends, LOL. What a gift to the body of Christ. Thank you. Love your podcast, too. You guys are so fun and so freeing. Well, that's very kind of you to say so, Rachel. So before we jump in and answer that question, I wanted to talk this week about the orphan spirit. Okay. It's something that we've taught on for many years. Mm Mm-hmm. It's something you've written about at length, mm-hmm. and you're actually doing a four-week series at church on the antidote to the orphan spirit, which is am, living yeah. like a son. Yeah. So let's start right back at the beginning. Where did you first hear the uh, message of the orphan spirit? I first heard it um, from Jack Frost. So Me too. Yeah, I was um, on staff in Toronto, the church in Toronto, and... Uh, John and Carol had asked Jack to come in and do a day uh, with all of the staff. And um, it was hearing it that first time. And uh, Jack would teach it with this chart, uh, an orphan to sonship chart. And um, it was, I was in shock and horror looking at the chart and realizing I was not really living like a son. We will put a copy of that chart. In the show notes. Yeah. we When we teach on it, we call it the chart of doom. Ooh. And we get the audience to make that noise for, for a moment of levity. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. So I remember looking at the chart and um, the Holy Spirit suggested to me, hey, you know what? You're not all one or all the other. Why don't you write a little graph from one to 10? So I did that on each um, topic. And then I asked God, okay, how am I doing on this one? Where, you know, whereabouts am I? And uh, I kept that piece of paper. And then a number of months later, Jack actually came back to teach again. And, you know, I hadn't spent hours in intercession or gone to get deliverance from the orphan spirit, because of course you can't be delivered from it. It's more of a mindset. Um, And uh, I was all moving over towards sonship. It was just like almost just by recognizing and being able to own, oh, actually what I think is normal behavior is orphan behavior. How can I move towards sonship? That kind of opened the door for the Holy Spirit to work a lot in my heart. 
Right. I was the same. I heard Jack teaching in Edinburgh, actually. Yeah. And he taught the same chart, the Orphan to Sun chart, a chart that we later borrowed and would also teach all over the world wherever we'd go on this message because it's so revolutionary. But basically the concept is, although Scripture is very, very clear that positionally we are children of God, there's a big difference between being positioned as a son of God and living like you're a son of God. Right. And what this chart does is it diagnoses brilliantly two extremes, the way an orphan or a spiritual orphan views the world and the way a spiritual son views the world. Now, the danger with this is most of the information describing the way an orphan lives is actually the way most of the world runs. Mm. So without us knowing, we're trained to operate and to think like we have to fight for everything in this world, that we have to fight, strive, compete, and earn for everything in life, rather than having an understanding that we have a heavenly father who actually delights in us and would love to bring us good things. Right. That as sons, we have an inheritance we don't have to strive for. Right. But if we don't know that, everybody else is a competition for blessing. Right. Everybody that you see is... Uh, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world and you have to be better, sharper, faster, fitter, louder to prove that you're worth more than everybody else. Right, which, even in the church. Oh, especially in the church. Yeah. But, uh, you know, also in the whole world. So you are fatigued constantly by trying to one-up everybody and keep up appearances. Yeah. And until I heard this teaching, I just thought, oh, this is normal. This is what we all do. Right. That there isn't enough. I mean, be nice while doing it, for sure, because we're good Christians. Right. But when I heard Jack teach this, I was like, you mean there's a different way of living? And honestly, the first couple of times I heard it, I just thought it was far-fetched nonsense. (laughs) Like, seriously. Yeah. Because he would talk about, like, what do you do when everything hits the fan? Well, for an orphan, they throw a temper tantrum, they scream, they get distressed, they self-comfort with food. They try and manipulate others. Yeah. yeah Whereas strive. the son seeks to find quiet solitude with his father. I'm like, who in the world does that? You know, when mm-hmm. your tire blows out, and you're like, you know, I'm just going to soak and rest with my father. You know, and, uh, you know, Jack has some hysterical stories. And as you hear this teaching, you begin to realize, oh, I'm operating from a paradigm or a mindset or a way of thinking that actually indicates I really do think I'm all alone and it's up to me to fight and to protect and to provide. Right. Rather than simply being a son. And I think the problem with sonship, when you don't know about sonship, is it seems an irresponsible way to live. Does it? Well, here's why. I think that we've equated somewhere along the line that worrying about things proves that we care about things. Right. But worry doesn't equal care. No. At all. And so to not worry about things because you're trusting your father can seem irresponsible. Yes. Do do you know what I mean? Yes. You mean to others looking on. Oh, I mean even to yourself. Okay. Thinking, why am I relaxed about this? Why am I training myself to be relaxed about the fact that I have Right. Shouldn't I be stressed? Yeah. But your great line of, Alan, the king is still on the throne. Mm -hmm. He's not shocked by this. He's not surprised. Mm Mm-mm. What if this is an opportunity for an upgrade? What if this event that's just happened that would normally send you into tailspin is actually the landscape in which God's going to do the next miracle and reveal to you another side of his father heart? Right. Like, that is a different way of looking at life. Right. Things we don't consider. So, off the top of your head, can you think of 
because I don't want to pull out notes. I don't really want to do a teaching. I'd rather talk about it. But the chart has a bunch of funny things in it. Mm-hmm. G- give me some some topics from the chart and talk about how an orphan thinks about it and how a son thinks about it. And while you're thinking about that, I'm going to reiterate that though we talk about the orphan spirit, it's not a demonic spirit per se. I mean, there's demonic influences in, empowering how we think for sure. But it's more of a mindset or a pattern of thinking than it is, or a lifestyle, than it is a demonic spirit that can just be cast out. Right. It's changing the way you think, so you change the way you live. Right. Um, well, what about, like, peer relationships? All right. So, for peer relationships, typically the orphan, their MO is striving and competition and rivalry. And one-upping. And one-upping, and, and needing to be the biggest guy in the room with have the best, the best stories. stories. That's right. But sometimes we're so polite in that, like because we're so Christianized that we're very subtle in proving that we're better than everybody else. But basically, we're, for example, well, we're elegantly putting people down so that we can feel better about ourselves. Yeah. But that's still an indication that. <laughs> oh, is this the first time you saw Blind Eyes Open? That must be very exciting <laughs> for you. <laughs> or, oh, you have the Le Creuset. I love Le Creuset. It's, uh, you have the 16-inch uh, bakeware. Yeah, I have the 19-inch Dutch oven. I mean, they're very similar. They're it's very just, similar. It's just mine's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, until you until you realize it's going on, it's normal. Once you realize it's going on, it's nauseating. Yeah. Like, the orphan can't let their friend or somebody, say at an event or at a party... Be excited about the thing that they saw because they need to be the biggest guy in the room, right? So whatever it was that you saw God do, they have to tell their story of something better rather than allow you just to be celebrated and, you know, allow you to have that moment. I remember the Holy Spirit said to me, other people's greatness doesn't come at the expense of yours. Yeah. And that's the way a son thinks. You can allow somebody else to be great because it wasn't your allocation of greatness they took. But to right. an orphan, that's the way they think. Right. And not only allow them to be great, but actually celebrate the fact that they're right. great and not feel like you're less than because right. they're having their moment of being great. Even in areas that has nothing to do with you. Right. So somebody else gets promoted or somebody else you know, buys a house or somebody else moves in an area of life that you wish you could move in. Right. They're not in direct competition with you. Them getting ahead doesn't mean you don't get ahead, but whatever... Whenever that thing rises in your heart, there's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> but I want it. Yeah. yeah, that's an orphan that's uh, that's playing fair. Yeah, and the orphan I think just thinks that God has crocodile arms. What do you mean by that? Like really short arms. Can't possibly reach out and help me here. You know. <laughs> right. So I have to do it for myself. Oh, so I have to do it for myself. Yeah. Which leads to relentless self promotion, networking. I mean, it's just exhausting because you have to fight for what you can get. I was going to say it must be exhausting, but I remember feeling like I needed to make a way for myself and it was exhausting. Right. Rather than trusting that God has got your life in control, yeah, he will bring the people you need into your life. And live from favor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Live from favor rather than fighting for what you think you're worth. Yeah. What, how does the son live in peer relationships? I think he, uh, you know, I don't remember the exact wording of the chart, but I think the son is able to celebrate others and doesn't feel less than when somebody else is, right. you know, getting promoted or 
having a great season or a great life. And can genuinely enjoy other people's success yeah. and promote other people ahead of them because they know that promotion neither comes from the East nor from the West, but from the Lord. Right. It's not a competition. It's totally not a competition. And you you see that in the lives of people who are completely content to be themselves. Like We're blessed with a bunch of people who are very close to us who are happy in their own skin. Yeah. Which means they're not intimidated by the successes of other people. They don't feel less than, which means they can also promote other people and talk about other people's successes without it feeling like it's diminishing the successes they have. Right. Because they found a different source of satisfaction. Right. The Father's love, not achievement and wealth and... I would say Grace Center's culture confuses a lot of people, especially, you know, when we have, uh, I've got to be careful how to say this because I, I don't want to be speaking ill of anyone, but often when we have visiting speakers or people who may be trying to connect to our church for, I've maybe got friends, we've got mutual friends and they've heard them talk well about Grace Center and, and they would love to connect. Often they connect to us with credentials and credentials aren't what, is interesting to a son. Relationships what's interesting to a son. Right. So credentials are usually a very quick way of establishing where you are on the pecking order. Right. Whereas the son's not so concerned about the pecking order. They're concerned about the father's affection. Right. That's really good. Does that sound okay? Or does that yeah. sound, I, I'm, I, I'm I think not, that's fine. I don't have anybody in mind where I'm talking about that. It's just a dynamic I've noticed over the years. Um, that often an orphan tries to tell you who they are Whereas we like to figure it out for ourselves. You know, we'll find out who you are. We don't need to be, don't try and tell us about you. Just be yourself and we'll discover what you are. Yeah. What about um, their view of authority? Oh, dear God. This is the fastest way to identify areas of orphanhood in our hearts. For sure. And and I love what you said, babe, that it's not a binary state. You're an orphan, you're a son. That's not the way it works. It's, there's so many different areas of our heart where we can mature into sonship in one area, mm-hmm. but realizes orphanhood in another area. But one of the great determinators is your view of authority right. in any description. Right. Because for the orphan, they're distrustful towards them and they lack a heart attitude of submission. Well, that's because all authority is a source of pain. Right. So if you haven't dealt with all of those things and you haven't dealt with the reason you think authority is a source of pain, no wonder you can't enter into being a son, but it also means you're not going to enter into being a son to the father. Totally. Because he's a king. You can't serve a king if you can't be under leadership. Right. Yeah, John Arnott used to say, if you haven't learned to submit to earthly authority, good luck serving a king for eternity. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But there's truth to that, isn't there? I still remember the feeling of fingernails on a chalkboard when leaders were trying to speak into my life. This leaders trying to do what they do, but I was receiving all their input as criticism right. or rejection sure. because I hadn't learned that leaders are safe. Right. So, And to be fair, all leaders are not safe. Uh, true. But any leaders that would come to me to try and help me, I would not view as you're seeing value in me and you want me to reach my potential. I would feel like you're seeing what's wrong with me and therefore I need to defend it. Mm -hmm. I need to defend myself. Mm -hmm. I need to hunker down. And that's just an area of my heart that didn't know it was love, didn't know it was safe, 
didn't trust leaders. Well, I did the exact same thing with John and Carol. Totally. You know, when they took me in, they took in somebody who had no grid for proper authority or that authority could be safe or could actually right. care. And, um, and then they try and speak into my life. And even if on the outside I was smiling on the inside, I was either furious or just so sad, right. you know, thinking, but I thought you loved me. Why would you say these things about me if you love me? Because I didn't have any grid for discipline being love. Yeah. You know, I, di- I didn't understand that. So I was just like, you're just, you're being critical. Why aren't you loving me? You're supposed to love me. You know, right. now way farther down the road, of course, I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful. You know, I'm so thankful that they did pull me up and say, hey, what about this? Hey, let's look at this. Hey, can I help you with this? You know, at the time I didn't love it, but I learned to submit to authority and I learned to let them have a voice in my life. And I think that's why I grew. Let's talk about submitting to authority for a second. Yeah. This is a great litmus test for orphan-heartedness. Yeah. Most orphans are absolutely fine to quote-unquote submit to authority (laughs) so long as the authority that's leading them is letting them do what they were going to do anyway. Right. But as soon as a leader says, you know, I don't don't think we want to do that. I, I, I wonder if... Whatever, it doesn't even matter the scenario, but if it's a scenario that is different or contrary to what the orphan was wanting, look for an alarming reaction. Yeah. Because when confronted, see, true submission comes when you're asked to do something. That you don't want to do. Or yeah, or you don't want, you don't get to do something you want to do. Right. Before that, it was just you doing what you wanted anyway, and your will aligned with what your leader went. There was no submission. Right. It was just... Dum-de-dum-de-dum. Right. And I've seen that in my own life. It's a great test. And one of the things I love, even to this day, running things past my leaders that I think is good, that I think is God, I feel great about is if I'm still not prepared to drop it when my leaders are like, yeah, I don't think that's it, then I want that thing more than I want to be led by God. Right. Because God speaks through your leaders. And the thing is, too, is that there's safety in having input from your leaders. Right. Right? In a in a multitude of witnesses, there's wisdom. Right. So the trouble is, and you touched on this earlier, is there are a lot of unsafe leaders. In fact, yeah. there's a lot of orphans who Leading are leading churches. Yeah. Because orphans want to be the top dog. So yeah. by the very nature, they want to be in leadership for the wrong reasons. Right. And that just opens up a whole other can of worms. Yeah, for sure. For but sure. Anyway, the goal, let's talk about sons with their view of leaders. And by the way, well, sons includes daughters. Yeah. We're, we're talking about this idea of sonship, people who are so intimately acquainted with the father's love that they live like a little son. I think Jack says that sons sees authority as messengers of God for good in their lives. Great way of putting it. And, um, you know, I, I've even had some authority that you know, afterwards turns out it wasn't that awesome, but in my honoring of them actually turned out fine for me, you know, crazy how that works. Right. Um, but I mean, I guess you're, you know, I remember when I was writing finding father, one of the only thing that Patricia King said, you know, you probably want to add this is how do you identify safe leadership to get under, you know, how, because you're, you're encouraging people to get underneath and push up and again, you know, she was saying, gosh, there's a lot of leaders out there that aren't safe. Right. 
Um, and the only thing I could do was describe John and Carol because um, they're what I think of when I think of safe leaders, like people that, that really, I mean, they are discerning. They're not going to hold any punches. They're, they're going to, you know, punch nicely if that works as an expression. Um, but they're not going to leave things alone or, you know, whatever, but they do have your best interest at heart. You do leave every time talking to them, even if they had to say something hard, I knew I was loved. I knew they talked to me about it because I, because they loved me enough to want me to get better or to, you know, deal with the things that were holding me back. It is amazing how the Lord works, isn't it? Because he actually speaks through your earthly leaders. Mm. And and I'm not just talking about passes. I'm talking about your boss, your supervisor at work, your parents. I, I mean, anybody he's put in authority, the government. Right. It's incredible how he, how he does that. Because basically, in order to trust your leaders and God, you're basically saying, I'm choosing to believe that you say I'm wrong even when I think I'm right. Like in some areas, you know, right. when I think about times when We've gone to Jeff, for example, and said, hey, Jeff, we're thinking of doing this. What's your wisdom? And Jeff's like, I think this, and it's contrary to what we wanted to hear. Right. Well, that's an interesting... There's your moment, folks. There's your moment. It's like, <laughs> you know what? I asked for godly Input. leaders in my life. I asked yeah. for wisdom. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Am I going to reject it? Or am I going to say, all right, I'm going to trust that you see something I don't because... If I've learned anything being a leader, it's, it's that you look at people's lives from a completely different vantage point. Yeah. And I think God gives you wisdom for other people when you're leading them. You know, like he, yeah. he gives you perspective that you didn't have just because you have a level of authority to lead them and you have a level of responsibility. I'm going to answer for you if I'm leading you. Terrifying. Yeah. But awesome at the same time. And the other thing is like when we're talking about finding safe leaders both John and Carol and Jeff and Becky, like if they get it wrong, they'll come back and say they got it wrong. Right. And so that's another thing that makes them safe because I can go, okay, well that's not how I saw it or that's not what I imagined this conversation was going to go like. And I might even be a little bit disappointed, but God, I'm going to give that back to you. And I know that if this is your plan, it's going to come back around. And I know that, you know, Jeff is great to say, hey, I missed it on this one and whatever. So as long as you're not dealing with unreasonable pride, unreasonable, probably any pride is unreasonable. Yeah, what's a reasonable amount you know, of pride? What's a I'm reasonable interested. amount of pride? Well, you know. How proud can I be and still right. be reasonable? Tell the story. I love the story. Tell the story about you almost being released into ministry. The garage door clicker story. Oh. Because this is a great story about... It was my moment. Orphans and sons and dreams being given and taken and tell that story because I, I I think it illustrates brilliantly and then we'll try and answer Rachel's question. Okay. Well, um, you know, previous to the story happening uh, in January, I had been speaking to the Lord about the coming year and the Lord said to me, um, you know, by the fall, you'll step out into full-time ministry. And this was in 2001. And I was like, you know, at the time I really liked my job. I had a great job, free car, free gas, free insurance. You know, there's a lot that was really good about it. And uh, I was sort of like, wow, okay. Um, could you confirm that for me? So I had three different prophetic people pick me out and give me the exact same word. Uh, and about, you know, but stepping off of a cliff and the rocks coming up to meet my feet. 
And uh, I was like, okay, I guess this is happening. So I sat down with um, Fred and with John. And in my mind, I was like, you know, they're going to say no. And that will be my great reason why I'm not actually stepping out in this. Right. You know, I was sort of expecting both of them to go, well, you know. And, um, well, that didn't happen. So I met with Fred and said, you know, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying. And I'm, um, you know, they had talked to me previously about being one of the itinerant ministers full-time for TACF. And um, so I just said, you know, I feel like God's talking to me about doing that. Um, And not just part-time anymore, but, you know, traveling full-time. And Fred was like, yes, let's do it. That's awesome. I'll send a letter to all the PIH churches, blah, blah, blah. And I was like- So this is your dream on the horizon. Right. Everything Uh, God's promised you in the last eight years. I'm terrified, you know. Yeah, he's been talking to me about it for eight years. And I've been in this process of getting my heart healed and dying to all this kind of stuff. And I was kind of at the place where I was like, oh, you know what? I'm okay without the dream. I'll just- keep going along as I'm going. And then the Lord's like, gotcha, you know? Anyway, so I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to meet with John. John's going to be the one that stops this. Like John will be the one that goes, well, I don't know, you know, kind of thing. And I met with John and he's like, AJ, this is amazing. I think it's totally God. I think within a year, you're going to have to say no to invitations, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, I guess I'm actually doing this. And, um, so this was, uh, I met with John, I think in August and right. then in September, um, I felt like the, like the Lord was like, you know, it's, it's time to step out. And I was like, oh, okay. And I wasn't really sure what to do. Like, do I just give notice? I don't know what the timing is. And then September 11th happened And I got called into my VP's office and he just said, AJ, I'm sorry. Uh, We lost $17 million in one day uh, of being shut down Wow! because I worked in the travel industry. And he said, we're going to start letting go of management. You're the first one to go. But they gave me 12 weeks severance, which was amazing. And a week later, they had to let go 30 more management and they only got a week or two of severance each. Um, So it was totally God. So I was set up to start traveling and I even had a buffer, you know, and they're like, you can keep the car for a few months, you know, while you get everything sorted. And as they're talking to me and as they're talking to me, I just had a picture of like God booting me out of the building, you know, like in a great way. I wasn't like, oh, I'm in trouble. Being launched into something new. But here I am and I'm like, okay, well, I guess everything's a go, you know, John's fine and Fred's fine and you know, I've, I'm out of my job now and I guess I know the timing. Yay. You know, let's get started. And I know I'm going to get announced at the beginning of October, um, at the catch the fire conference right before that they had a partners in harvest conference. And so I'm going to get, you know, sort of a, a commissioned and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm like, okay, I'm excited about this. And the week and the weekend before the conference on the Wednesday is the day I'm supposed to be commissioned. Uh-huh. It's the Saturday, the weekend before, and I go with a friend of mine to uh, another conference that I was supposed to speak at. And the other speaker was speaking first session, so we're just sort of driving there. And uh, I get this phone call from a friend of mine who was on staff at the church, and he said, listen, I just wanted to give you a heads up. I don't know what happened. I don't know if 
you know, Fred and John haven't talked or what the deal is, but you're not being released this week and they're not going to commission you. And so uh, I just wanted you to know that. So it's not a surprise uh, when it comes to Wednesday and you're not one of the people that they call up. And And what happens in your heart? I was like, oh, I was one of those people that didn't really show emotion. And I was in a car with other people, but we had just arrived at the place where we were having the event. And so I was like, hey, guys, go on inside. You know, I'll be in in a second. I finished the phone call and I hung up the phone and for a second I felt numb. And then I was like super upset, like just like they what they said yes they both said yes we had all this stuff printed to hand out to everybody and now I have no job and what are they doing and you know just totally freaking out you know and uh, internally I wasn't saying anything on the outside I was just like on the inside just like what you know and um and are you feeling abandoned I'm feeling abandoned I'm feeling sad I'm I'm worried. How am I going to buy groceries? The rug like, has been pulled out from underneath your feet. Yeah, I mean, it's just a deluge of all of these leaders. emotions. Yeah, everything, right? And I have to speak in an hour. You know, the first guy's going. He's going to go to ministry time, and then I have to get up and speak. And I'm like, God, I'm I'm sh- I'm shaken to my right. core. And so I went in. I don't remember what he spoke about because I was still processing with the Lord and. And he did some kind of altar call for something. I mean, honestly, it could have been for three-legged dogs and I would have gone up. I was a mess. Um, but I I went up to the front and I and I started crying and then I went into this vision. And in the vision, I it was me and I was in this um, plexiglass box, you know, like right. a really thick plexiglass. And on one side, it was absolutely solid plexiglass, but it was, you know, really, uh, it was really transparent parent. It wasn't like scratched or whatever. And so there, I saw a picture of all of these people that I was friends with. And, um, I was like, huh, as I'm looking at them, the Lord said, yeah, those are most of your friends. You keep them on the outside. And I was like, oh, and he's like, you know, you, you control what they see and how much access they have to your heart. I'm like, oh, Okay. So then I turned to my right and there was a wall that looked kind of like it had holes like Swiss cheese, you know, different right. sized walls. And there was a couple of my closer friends there. Um, and they, you know, they could come and they could actually touch me. They could reach their hands in and I could reach my hands out, but I was still the one in control. I could back away so they couldn't touch me or access me. And, you know, I was still, I was still in control of those relationships. Then on the right, there was another wall uh, with a door, and I saw two of my friends that had keys, you know. But it's funny because in the picture there was a little bell above the door. So even though I'd given them even more access and I'd given them keys, as it were, I still had a warning of when they were trying to enter, and I could still choose to turn a good smile towards them and look like everything was perfect. But the terrifying wall was the fourth wall. And there was a garage door on it, and I had no lock on that door. And holding the garage door openers in this vision were were John and Fred. And as I looked at this garage door and the garage door openers and the two of them, almost in horror, the Lord said to me, will you trust the fathers I've put in your life? And this is the big test of the orphan. Right. And I was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I've spent the last hour spinning like just spinning because I haven't been trusting them. 
and I've, I've questioned everything. And I just started weeping and I was like, Lord, I do. I trust them. They're wonderful men. And if they think I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And that's okay. And I was able to get up and minister later that day and, you know, do whatever. And I was driving home with my friend and uh, he said to me, so what are you going to do? Because I, you know, told him and I said, well, I'm highly employable. Like my last job didn't want me to leave the restaurant and the hotel that I worked for before that. They didn't want me to leave either. So I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to be okay. And whenever this is supposed to happen, it happens. And so I actually was like, okay, like I went home that night and started working on my resume to get it up to date so that so I could you, get ready. So you ready. were feeling, you, you'd resolved in your heart, okay, if if I'm not being released into ministry, that's totally fine. I my, trust God. My life is not over. I trust my dad's. Yep. Okay. Yep. God's good. He still has a plan. You know, it, this isn't what I, you know, I spent six months getting ready to do this. So... There was effort involved. There was, you know, money involved. There was all that. But I was like, okay, God, if if they think I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Right. So, so you were moving towards sonship in that. And that as a yeah. son's response. You know what, Lord? I still trust you. Doesn't look like my timing. But you know what? Yeah. I love you. You're good. You have a plan. Yeah. I'm good. It's going to be okay. Right. I don't get it, but it's going to be okay. And so uh, anyway, the next morning I came into church. And as I walked in the back door, Fred saw me from the front and he literally ran across the church and it's a huge church, you know? And he came over and he's like, I was just talking to so-and-so and he said that he had told you whatever. And that's not true. And he's like, I don't know where he got that information, but we are announcing you on Wednesday. Everything is fine. We're releasing you into full-time ministry and we're commissioning you and blah, blah. And I just laughed because I was like, God, you're so funny. It was all a test of the heart. It it was a test of my heart. And I passed, I think, you Mm -hmm. know? And uh, so that, I mean, as much as I don't have a theology that God tests your heart, I think that circumstances can come up that test your heart. And it's it's great to have those tests because later on, you know why you did what you did. I, I have a theology for God testing you. Yeah. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold but the Lord, Lord tests the heart. Yeah. He really does. Yeah. Because he's constantly doing stuff in our heart. He's constantly fashioning us into the likeness of Jesus, and he wants us to see it from our perspective so that we can see the change. I do totally agree with that. I just meant, like, I've met people that think everything in life is a oh, test, that it's, that, and it's all planned by God. It's not, right. you know... Your car didn't break down because you didn't put oil in it. It's a test, you know. Oh, I, I just mean like I'm I'm not that person, right? Um, but I do think God tests our hearts. I love that story because God knows the end from the beginning, mm-hmm. so He knew that nothing had changed. Yeah, and I love that He helped restore your heart to joy. I love that He saw you in distress, met you in distress, but used it as a teaching moment, as a oh, honey. Yeah, and then showed me what was really going on in my heart. Yeah, this is the reality, yeah. and actually, you can trust me and. Yeah. Hey, what do you want to step into at this moment? Right. Are you fighting for your future or are you just willing to trust me that I'm good and I'm going to bring everything through to completion? Yeah. I think absolutely the reaction in my heart to begin with was orphan, but the action I took was son. Yeah. You know, so, and it it moved there fairly quickly. Yeah. So that's, that's good. (laughs) 
Well, let's answer Rachel's question then. Having given a little overview of uh, the difference between a son and, a, and an orphan, her question was, what advice could you give us as we seek to live out this sonship message in an environment that is somewhat foreign to it? I think one of the main things would be, you know, to to coin Danny Silk's phrase, keep your love on, you right. know, you, it, for all of us, we need to have grace for people that aren't quite seeing things the way we're seeing them yet right? and not be the person that knows the best way. Ooh. Um, so learn to love other people really well, even if they don't get you and they don't understand your new revelation um, and, and press into God for help with that, you know, press into, to, being full of his love so you have something to give away. That's right. Because we all walk in the light of the revelation we've received. Yeah. And so if you've just got a revelation of a son, recognize it for the previous 20 years prior to yesterday, you were living as a, an orphan. Yeah. Because there's a danger that we become polarizing in our view of people, oh, they're such an orphan. Oh. But we've got to understand that people aren't orphans. We, we know already that they're sons. If they're believers... They yeah. are sons. They're it's, in different stages on the road to sonship. Exactly. It's a stage <laughs> of learning. And we we would have orphan moments. We'd call it orphaning out. I yeah. say we would. We still do. I had yeah. one last week. I had one where I, was, I just locked myself in my bedroom and just cried out to the Lord, Lord, I, I screwed up. I need your help. I need your wisdom. Would you help me? And and I was feeling like an orphan. Yeah. But I responded as a son. I locked myself in my room to find my daddy. And he came and he just... You know, he was so gentle. He was just like, oh, he met me in my pain and said, Alan, I, I totally understand how you're feeling. Mm. And I, it must be horrible to feel like this. Can I show you what's really going on? And so tender in his response. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you react like an orphan, if you respond like a son. Yeah. All of our hearts are being tenderly cared for by the Father. And it's his good intention to tenderly treat us with kindness and gently point out, oh, here's where you're living way below the glory standard I have for you. Yeah. Here's where you're still thinking like an orphan. Yeah. And here's where you don't realize how loved you are. That's right. And and so you're on this glorious adventure, no matter how appalled you may feel that you've been thinking like an orphan, be excited about the transformation he's going to bring and the miracle that's going to come when you start thinking like a son. Yeah. You know, the obvious place to go from here is to talk about Finding Father, because you actually wrote your book to help people in their transformation from orphanhood to sonship. Right. I mean, the whole, all of us were once upon a time lost. Yeah. And then Jesus came, found us, and showed us the way to the Father. Yeah. And often we've confused salvation with the fullness of sonship. Yeah, but for sure. being saved and living like a son are, are two different things. Yeah. I think, too, most of us have learned how to survive. And that's what orphans do. They survive. Right. They're really Um, good survivors. Right. And uh, sons, though, they don't just survive things. They thrive. And And they do that because they know that they're loved and they know that they're taken care of. Right. Yeah, they're they're living for someone else's vision. They're living to make their daddy happy. Yeah. I mean, they already know that daddy's happy, that he loves them. Yeah. But it's so fun partnering with God as a son rather than to try rather than trying to strive for his affection. Right. But anyway, Finding Father, you wrote this brilliant book. It's a twelve week study guide. You can do it individually. 
there's interactive exercises to do almost every day. The idea is that each day you have a little devotional and you get two days off a week. You've written five devotionals a week. Right. All into the understanding the heart of God for us right. and how to live like a son. It's an incredible book. People all around the world constantly send us feedback saying, oh, this book's totally changed my life. I love it. I love it. And so if I'm you have I'm so glad. Yeah, so am I, because it would be terrible if it was the other way. Right? <laughs> I hate sucks. this book. <laughs> if you haven't read it, we highly recommend you get it. And not just because we wrote it. We highly recommend it for the transformation that it brings. And you can get it straight from our website. Go to alanaj.com and you'll, you'll find a link straight there for Finding Father the Book. You can also get it for your Kindle on Amazon or for your iPad or your iPhone on the iBookstore. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't read it, do yourself a favor. Be kind to yourself. Buy yourself this book. Watch the transformation get happen. And also, your new book you talked about before, A Boy Named Ben, is also available. Yeah. You can get them online at ellenandaj.com slash Ben. I, uh, we had an awesome moment, actually, this week of Tia reading the book out loud, which was just so fun for her to go through a book from start to finish and it'd be something I wrote. Right. Amazing. Tia, our little six-year-old who's reading like a genius. I love it. Also, want to let you know that our applications are open for Grace in Our School of Supernatural Life. It's a school designed to help people discover the greatness in them by discovering the greatness of God. We have tremendous fun watching people's lives get changed. We saturate you in this incredible presence of God for about eight months. You discover how to hear God for yourself, learn about his kindness and goodness, and you come out the other side completely transformed. And AJ and I have got the privilege of teaching on that. It's one of the things we love to do. And we'd love to spend eight months guiding you through this transformation. Applications are to be in by June 15th. So I really encourage you to get your apps in. School starts in September of this year, runs through April of next year. And if you're already a graduate of year one, come back for year two. We'd love to take you deeper, draw out the leader in you, and teach you how to understand, apply, and fall in love with the Bible. For show notes from today's show, just head on over to alanandaj.com slash 102. Have an incredible week and we'll be with you next week. Yep. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone